Hey, good morning. It's five minutes past the hour. It is the first hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Wednesday, August 31st, program 3423. Great to be with you this morning. That's David Allen. I'm Press. Boy, where to begin, huh? <laughs> Do you talk about the storm that was election day, primary day, or the storm that is to come? Um, let me just clarify. There is no hurricane watch. There are tropical storm watches because it... Tropical Depression 9 is not turned into a tropical storm yet, but it is still a significant weather event. And so we're keeping an eye on it. It has jogged a little bit further north. And so the trajectory of this particular storm is moving closer to the Tallahassee area and then by extension west of us a little bit. And it could still be steered even further north and east, but... But we'll get an update later on in the program. Dr. Peter Ray will join us next hour from HurricaneHunt.com, and we'll get the latest. But um, what does make sense is for you to simply prepare for some modest power outages, make sure that you've got water on supply, you've got some batteries in the flashlights, and you're ready for what may come, which will at the very least be a significant amount of rain. Now, Dr. Ray said yesterday that his indicators are that uh, this storm will move very, very quickly, so the the chance of flooding will be limited to just the sheer amount of rain that falls in a period of time that the storm is moving. He doesn't see any factors in the forecast that would cause the thing to stall, which, of course, leads to flooding. But still, to the east and south of us, as you get around the Big Bend, that's when you're looking at, uh, right now, still the majority of the weather. But it has moved a little bit more towards the north. But it is not a named storm yet, and that's very that's very important. Uh, while it still is a significant weather event, you know, even a tropical storm is uh, is a significant notch up from where we are right now. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, all right? Election stuff. <clears throat> Let me say this. Obviously, we cover... A lot of areas, your local news is is getting you the results that are the most important locally. But on my blog page, if you just go to WFLAFM.com, keyword Preston, on my blog page, I've given you links to dig up whatever it is you want to find, whether you're in Bay County, Leon County, or looking at state results. There's some nuance, though. Always know that there are races, for example, a state attorney's race is a really interesting example. Um, In this area, in the 2nd Judicial judicial District, state attorney encompasses quite a few few counties. And so if you you look at it, the 2nd Judicial Circuit makes up a lot of counties. Jack Campbell lost Leon County, but he won the district. And so by uh, fewer than 2,000 votes, Jack Campbell advances to the uh, general election. It's, it's just it's interesting. There are seats like that all over. So if you want to see what's really going on um, with, with district or state races, multi-jurisdictional, multi-county races, you need to go to the Florida web, website, Florida Elections website, and I've got a link to it so you don't, don't have to fumble around trying to find the right one. 
I've also got a link for Bay County, and I've got a link for Leon County for those specific races for wherever you are, and you'll get the results. Uh, though unofficial, they're they're officially unofficial. How about that? But um, Matt Gates is the uh, is the Republican who advances to uh, the congressional general election for District One. In uh, District Two, Neil Dunn edged Mary Thomas and will advance. Neil Dunn won Leon County. Not by much, by maybe a few hundred votes, but he won. Ken Sakaya comes in a distant third. But uh, if you if you were to talk to Mary Thomas, she'd probably tell you enough to upset the apple cart. But Neil Dunn advances to the uh, general election. Maybe not a big shock, but um, Al Lawson advances in uh, the Congressional District 5. He swamped Corinne Brown. She's done. So we'll keep talking about the election results. Marco Rubio, big winner. Patrick Murphy, a big winner for the U.S. Senate. Ten minutes past the hour. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Twelve minutes past the hour. The morning show with Preston Scott. It's Wednesday, August 31st. This date in history. Congress establishes the U.S. Naval Observatory. In 1842, 1886, earthquake near Charleston, South Carolina, destroys much of the city. How about that? It was felt as far away as Boston and Chicago. South Carolina? I mean, I always knew South Carolina had its faults. (laughs) No, I'd never heard of anything like that. And in 1955, GM demonstrates the world's first solar-powered car. I want you to get your mind around that for just a second. 1955, GM puts on display a a solar-powered car. Now we fast-forward 61 years. We're really not much further along, are we? You think it was just a concept, though? Did it actually work? Just because it was on display doesn't mean it actually worked. 61 years. The, the, the lesson here is that while certainly it's improved a little to where we can power a solar hot water heater and we can put an array in the middle of maybe hundreds, if not thousands, of acres of land to generate a little bit of power to power a small community, Solar power, for reasons we've discussed at at length here, is still just not very efficient. It's not as effective as some other forms of power. It's a nice alternative. Well, it's not efficient. Or an addition to. I mean, you know, it's it's fine if, like I said, you want to power that one LED bulb. And and if you want to power that little radio, either by crank battery or solar power or like i said a hot water heater and 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 again improvements to be sure but remember we we came across a study and shared it that talked about the fact that just the sheer mechanics the the molecular mechanics of solar power make it remarkably inefficient and that's not going to change because the science of the molecules 
is not going to change. And so not only do you have something that is lacking effectiveness, it is, more importantly, lacking efficiency, which is the whole point. However, it is an absolute laudable thing to continue to pursue. I'm just, I'm just pointing out um, that, that it's not all that in a bag of chips since we've been working on it since 1955, at least when it comes to cars. Um, you know, there are a lot of election numbers, obviously. And again, go to the website, WFLAFM.com. Keyword Preston. And, uh, and you'll find the numbers. Um, yesterday morning, I don't know if you noticed, here in Tallahassee, uh, T-Pain, who's a rapper from Tallahassee, his niece was stabbed and killed outside of Walgreens at 10-something in the morning right on, on Tennessee and Ocala Roads. Shut down one of the voting precincts for a while. That's following a shooting death of a woman the day before. Those, those crime numbers dropping... Ouch. 16 past the hour. Cool. 6.51, the morning show with Preston Scott. Just to put some numbers to it. Carlos Baruf got 264,259 votes. Marco Rubio, 1,029,000. Ouch. Patrick Murphy, 665,053 votes. Next closest, Alan Grayson, 199,703. Think about this for a second. You ever heard of uh, Pam Keith? No. She was running in that race as well, along with a few others. Pam Keith had no money, no name recognition, no one ever heard of her. She got 173,000 votes. She came up just 26,000 votes short of Alan Grayson. That's how much even Democrats hate Alan Grayson. They can't stand him, and for good reason. He's an embarrassing person and mean. He's a just a mean guy. So uh, Patrick Murphy and Marco Rubio will be running for the U.S. Senate seat that is currently being held by uh, by Senator Rubio. But uh, very interesting day. I don't know if you if you paid attention to the national news. John McCain won his primary in Arizona. The, you know there there will be a lot of things to just kind of filter out over the next few days from other races. Notable names: who won, who lost, who was a victim of their own hubris, who wasn't. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Fifty three minutes past the hour. Time for the Food for Thought Challenge today, presented by Brewster's Real Ice Cream. Right here in Tallahassee, two locations on Tharp near Godby High School on Appalachian Parkway eastbound. And James is standing by, ready to play. Good morning, James. Hey, how you doing? I'm great, brother. You ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, now you can choose history, geography, and, and that means that if you pick that... You could get a question in history or geography, but you could narrow it down a little bit there. You could go science, nature, tech. You could do sports and recreation. You could do entertainment. Or you could take your chances with who knows what you'll be asked with a category called anything goes. What would you like? Let's go with sports and rec. 
Sports and Wreck it is. Which sportsman's autobiography is titled, You Cannot Be Serious? Which sportsman's autobiography is titled, You Cannot Be Serious? What do you think? I'm going to have to take a stab at that, Preston. I don't have a clue. Okay. Anything for that. Who would have... Who? I mean, it's in quotes. You cannot be serious. Who would have said that? You cannot be serious. I don't know. Let's say Charles Barkley. You know what? That was a very good guess. But unfortunately, it's not correct. Oh. James, thanks for calling in today, my brother. I appreciate you you, you playing the game. Thank you much. Thank you. Uh, now, I, I did not give him the answer because I didn't want to keep him hanging on. So I'll give you the chance. You cannot be serious. Who said it? It was John McEnroe. You're right. John McEnroe, tennis player. He was famous for saying you cannot be serious, uh, other than being a good tennis player. Well, and and what's interesting about it is, in this day and age, his tantrums would be calm compared to the language many use, right? Yeah, in some cases. (laughs) My goodness, times have changed. Although I did see a tennis match the other day where the, the opponent, the guy hit the ball and it was in and his opponent said, no, you should challenge that. Told his opponent, you should challenge that because I clearly saw that it was in. I was like... Are you kidding me? Well, there's good sportsmanship, sportsmanship for you. Sportsmanship like that in this day and age. And I love it. I That's that's good for sports, and it's better for society, for any young people that happen to be watching. It Again, it's one of the many reasons why I love golf. Golf is is the only sport where, generally speaking, you enforce your own rules. You you call rules and penalties on yourself. Still the gentleman's game. Yeah, and, and I enjoy that. But uh, I did not hear about that. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, challenge that one. That was in. <laughs> Meanwhile, the linesman and the official in the chair, the umpire. Oh, they going, looked at him. They were all looking at him like, "Are you serious? <laughs> really? How dare you, sir?" And his opponent was like, "Oh, uh, okay. I challenge that." Let's do some local news. Come back with the big stories. Give you, you know, we'll give you the local election results, and then I've got the rest. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Twenty-one minutes past the hour, of the morning show with Preston Scott. Looking at a lot of different uh, information here, checking the latest forecast just came across from Dr. Peter Ray. He's thinking um, winds are not going to be sustained at tropical storm strength, but that uh, rain and local flooding in low areas will be an issue no matter where you look. So uh, again, just uh, the website. Type in the keyword "storm." All right, and there you go. It's uh, 22 minutes past the hour. Joined by Fox News Radio's Tanya J. Powers. How are you, Tanya? Hey, good morning. Um, Donald has to weigh in on everything, doesn't he? Now, Colin Kaepernick, he sits down during the National Anthem last Friday, watched it happen as uh, the 49ers played my beloved Packers, and uh, and then the firestorm that followed. Um, 
But what did Donald have to say about all this? Well, of course, he called the, the Kaepernick's refusal to stand for the anthem a terrible thing. He was on a Seattle radio station on Monday when he was asked about it, and he said he personally thinks it's not a good thing. He said, I think it's a terrible thing, and as you know, maybe he could, maybe he should find a country that works better for him, let him try. It's not going to happen. That was his direct quote. What's the fallout from uh, Trump weighing in? I mean, everybody's weighed in. Josh Earnest of the White House said that, uh, I mean, he, I was surprised at the language he used, suggesting that while everyone agrees Colin Kaepernick has a right to do whatever he did, um, you know, the White House was even suggesting it really wasn't a cool thing to do. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of surprised to see that, too. Um, He said that the president is aware of what Kaepernick did, but he had not spoken directly with the president about this. This was on Monday when he was apparently asked about it. Uh, But I was was kind of surprised that he didn't just let it go there, and he did say, um, you know, his quote was, I certainly don't share the views that Mr. Kaepernick expressed after the game and explaining his reasoning for the action, and, uh, and, you know, he went on and said what's done is done. Um, he's entitled to express his, his feelings, and he is. He just um, is getting a lot of back, backlash for it. Yeah, we know Kaepernick was going to get fallout, and obviously not everybody in the National Football League is real warm and fuzzy towards his actions. But um, but let's talk about the Donald here. Here he is trying to court the the vote of minorities. Colin Kaepernick is, you know, he is a minority. Um, does this, how the, how's this playing out there? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you've noticed the um, Veterans for Kaepernick um, hashtag that is now trending. On oh, Facebook. no. Yes. <laughs> the, the, that is that is one of the things that I thought was very interesting for this. Um, apparently, that is a new hashtag. It's Veterans for Kaepernick. Uh, and apparently, it's military personnel who are they're supporting him. And uh, so I, I think that's another kind of interesting piece of this, um, you know, because that's that's all. That's one of the things that you know Donald Trump talks about is you know the veterans and 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 his support for the veterans and that kind of thing. I think it's interesting. You've got this this uh, this group of them who is who they're fine with what Colin Kaepernick did. Yeah, it, it, but and that juxtaposes itself against the reality that in the black community there is a very strong tie to the United States military. There always has been, and uh, and, and so you've got these two sort of competing uh, emotions moving through this entire episode. So is it too early to determine whether this has hurt the Donald or not? I don't know. I can't see where the, where it would definitely hurt him necessarily. I mean, he's about to. it's about to get overshadowed by the fact that he's, you know, going to be visiting with the Mexican president. Um, so I, I think that, that, you know, people may move on to the next, you know, big thing that Donald does, and and that's kind of been his mo this entire time. If you look at it, he'll say one uh, or do one thing that you know a lot of people think is just incendiary and 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 just out there, and then <laughs> something else will come along and we'll go, oh my goodness, look at that, and we'll get. To, you know, yeah, it's like he's meeting me. with the president of Mexico today. Wouldn't you yeah. love to be a fly on the wall there? I really would. I really would love to be there for that. Tanya, as always, thanks. Thank you. All right, Tanya J. Powers with us from New York, Fox News Radio. Yeah, Trump is meeting with the president of Mexico today for a few minutes. They will both make statements after their meeting, and no questions will be uh, will be allowed. Well, I mean, you can ask them, but they're not going to answer any. So, wouldn't you wouldn't you love to see? Uh, I, I'm serious. I would love to be in the room when that meeting takes place. What are the first words? Do they shake hands? I'm sure they'll shake hands publicly, but but. You know, does he? Does the Mexican president wash his hands afterwards? I wash my hands of you. 
<laughs> I think the first words are brick or cinder block. Fence. Electrified. With with electric prods going down six feet. <laughs> And and I, I'm telling you, I still think your solution there is to just over time build the military bases along our southern border. Let them patrol our borders to remain in a state of active readiness. That's what you do. You start moving military bases or building military bases along our southern borders in areas that are not very hospitable right now. And then you let border security take care of the other areas along with our fencing. It's 27 minutes past the hour. It's the morning show with Preston Scott, your local news, local election results coming up in just moments. Just about 12 minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott, whether you're listening to us on terrestrial radio from east of Tallahassee all the way west to Destin. And beyond, we appreciate it. From the Gulf to the borders of Alabama and up into Georgia. Of course, anywhere, even Tiga K, South Carolina. Shout out to uh, Nick out there in South Carolina listening on iHeartRadio, Washington, D.C., Indiana, Michigan, and everywhere else. We appreciate you joining us this morning on the program. Um, A report came out by the Union of Concerned Scientists. And the study is entitled, The U.S. Military on the Front Lines of Rising Seas. You knew, of course, that that would get my attention because I I despise the unsettled science of global warming. And when I see the sycophants attached to uh, the extreme views of climate change begin to, to shape policy beyond even just basic weather, it, it annoys me. And joining me on the program is Dr. Bonner Cohen. He's senior fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research. Uh, Dr. Cohen, when this report came out, what was your immediate reaction? Well, my immediate reaction as somebody who's familiar with what I will delicately refer to as the work of the Union of Concerned Scientists, I said, uh-huh, uh, I smell a rat. And uh, the rat turned out to be a rather large one and, in many respects, a rather predictable one. For our listeners, the Union of Concerned Scientists report says that U.S. uh, military installations along the eastern seaboard and the Gulf of Mexico are at risk from rising sea levels brought about by, of course, global warming, also known as climate change. And what it does is it, quote-unquote, analyzes 18 installations stretching from Maine all the way down to Key West, then swinging west to the Florida Panhandle, where you are, over to Elgin Air Force Base. And the bases they looked at include such iconic names as the U.S. Naval Academy, uh, the Marine Recruit Depot in Paris Island, South Carolina, uh, the uh, Washington Navy Yards, and so on. And um, they project using a computer model that uh, over the course of the next 84 years, sea levels uh, resulting from the aforementioned climate change uh, will inundate those bases, causing 
causing uh, uh, more flooding, more disruption, and all of this uh, would imperil our national security. Well, there are a couple of problems with this. Problem number one, of course, is this isn't based on climatological observations, but rather on computer models, models which can and are easily manipulated to produce the desired result. It's the old thing that's been known to modelers for a long time. Garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> that's not just modelers. I think any one of us that that has a rational mind uh, and has ever raised a teenager knows that oh, model. Oh, God, yes. And, 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 and having been a teenager, not necessarily a model, <laughs> I can assure you I figured that one out, too. So, um, but the uh, the interesting thing about all this is <clears throat> the whole issue of rising sea levels. Well, as a matter of fact, sea levels globally are rising, but there's a problem. They have been rising for approximately 19,000 years. Beginning with the uh, melting of the great ice sheets, that precedes the end of the last ice age. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. Dr. Cohen, that's just not possible because America's only been around a little bit more than 200 years, and right. we all know that, that there's nothing bad that ever happened until America was born. That's right. There was absolutely no prehistory <laughs> to the United States. We just Somebody waved a magic wand, and we came from no place. All that said, the Earth is around 4.5 billion years old. And uh, over the course of the last two million years, which in geological terms is a blink of an eye, uh, we have had five very severe ice ages and 12 less severe ice ages for a total of 17 ice ages, <laughs> which means that on 17 different occasions, the world cooled off so much that giant sheets of ice formed at the North Pole, stretched south, in the last case, as far south as Kentucky, those ice sheets were two miles thick in some places. And then on 17 different occasions, for reasons we quite honestly do not understand, those ice sheets melted. Dr. Cohen, stand by for just one second. We have to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk some more. Uh, besides, I need to give my listeners a chance to get their hands back on the steering wheel now that they've left the road, finding out that there actually was history before the United States. It's 17 minutes past the hour. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Twenty-two minutes past the hour. Joining me this morning on the program for a few more minutes, Dr. Bonner Cohen. He serves as senior fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research, and we're looking at a report from a group of uh, concerned scientists that uh, believe the military ought to be battling global warming and not so much uh, worried about the things that matter most. Um, is that really the bottom line here? Oh yes, it is. Um... What they suggest in the article, uh, what you suggest in their quote-unquote study, is that Congress and the Pentagon devote more resources to combating climate change. Here again, the, uh, the bases along the eastern seaboard, the Gulf Coast, these people have been dealing with what we refer to as inclement weather for a long, long time. They have institutional knowledge of the kinds of problems that they come, and they are prepared for it. 
Uh, they have dealt with hurricanes. They have dealt with nor'easters. They have dealt with floods, with erosion, all the things that come when you have a base that's close to, to the coast. But the real purpose of this whole exercise, of course, is to scare the bejesus out of us so that we will take measures that we otherwise would not take and to scare the American people into believing uh, that climate change poses a threat to our national security and that we should redirect our resources away from doing the things that we should be doing in the direction of doing things that we actually should not be doing. And, um, you know, as we pointed out, climate change, of course, the whole term is redundant. Climates always change. I mentioned the, uh, the ice ages that have come and gone, and guess what? They're going to come again. We're very fortunate that we live in an interglacial period. What does that mean? That means we're living between the last ice age and the next one. The climate change we really ought to be worrying about, it may be thousands of years off or hundred years off, we don't know, is the next ice age. It will come, and it will come with something approaching mathematical certainty. Meanwhile, no one should get upset whatsoever because levels of carbon dioxide are somewhat higher now than they were 150 years ago. That's actually very beneficial because it's uh, extremely good for, for agriculture. We have 8 billion people in the world, and we need to feed them somehow. So the, you know, the real message here is don't allow yourself to be stampeded by people whose sole purpose on earth is to scare us into doing things we otherwise wouldn't do so as to send more power to the federal government in Washington, D.C., where I am. Believe me, you don't want to send anybody, you don't want to give these people up here any more power than they already have, uh, to micromanage our lives. Uh, that, is, that is what the climate, whole climate issue is all about. Actually, it has nothing whatsoever to do with the climate. The climate is simply serving as the pretext uh, for people who want to seize control, concentrate decision-making authority over energy and, and everything else they can get their hands on in, in Washington, D.C. It's a giant power grab. Well, it's no different. Uh, you know, why should climate change be any different than uh, Obamacare, health care? It's not about health care. It's about power. It's about control, and this is just another area where the federal government is trying to assert itself. Uh, Dr. Cohen, thanks so much for your insights this morning. I greatly appreciate your time, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Dr. Bonner Cohen, again, with the uh, National Center for Public Policy Research Senior Fellow. Something that's probably not on the map of many of you until now. Again, Congress being challenged to redirect assets when a group of uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells put out a study that has no scientific backbone whatsoever, but it's politically correct. It fits the narrative being constructed by policymakers, starting with the president, people like Al Gore. And I will just continue to remind you, the predictions of Al Gore in his movie, Inconvenient Truth, have inconveniently, for him, been all wrong. 27 minutes past the hour. Let's do some local news, some local election returns, and more as the morning show with Preston Scott continues. Forty-one minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Good morning. Over the last few days, we've certainly gotten to know Dr. Peter Ray a little bit. <laughs> the website is hurricanehunt.com. You can subscribe to the uh, email so that you get updated forecasts. And he joins us this morning on the morning show with Preston Scott. Dr. Ray, good morning, sir. 
Good morning to you. Um, the variables in forecasting, we're seeing some forecasts say one thing, some forecasts say another. Is it a matter of what people input into various models, or is it about interpreting the data that's out there, or a little of both? It's, it's that, and it's also just how the models are constructed themselves. Explain what you see happening out there in the Gulf right now. Well, right now, the tropical depression uh, number nine is about 80 miles south of Mobile. Um, we've been waiting for the uh, uh, sort of a, a cold front or a front, a low pressure area to push it off to the northeast. And it's uh, beginning to happen and also to intensify. It still is likely to come on shore in the Big Bend area. It's been nudging a little bit to the west, um, partly because it's a uh, trough is a little bit late and a little bit weak. This is really a, a battle of the titans of the week, um, weak forcing. Um, I expect that it'll make landfall uh, late late uh, Thursday or very early in the morning, excuse me, morning, Friday morning, and probably in just east or around Apalachicola and then move uh, northeast, continually recurving a little bit more to the east, uh, probably coming pretty close to right over Tallahassee. Um, it'll be a tropical storm, very likely, although it's not a, it's not that yet. It's uh, far from that, actually, uh, at this point. But it's likely to begin to be um, a weak to moderate tropical storm and, and start to die at landfall. And I expect in, in the Tallahassee area, for example, there to be uh, winds, um, sustained winds about 35, 40 miles an hour um, or less, and gust up to maybe uh, 50 miles an hour, which would be kind of rare, but gust in that neighborhood. And the seas to be uh, disturbed from essentially Apalachicola East. Um, now, there's a possibility that if it's, this uh, front doesn't exert enough pressure to move it to the east, that it could come in on the near, closer to Apalachicola or even on the on the uh, west side of it. Uh, that's not likely, but it is definitely possible. Uh, most of the high seas will be confined to the, the Bay Area between Apalachicola to the east. But uh, to Panama City, I think being a, an awareness would be uh, for the possible uh, higher surf and, and uh, winds. Dr. Be likely. Dr. Peter Ray with us, HurricaneHunt.com, the website. Dr. Ray, um, are we likely to see a lot of rain preceding the heavier winds? Because, as you know, here in Tallahassee, you get heavy rains uh, with such a heavy canopy of, of trees here. They topple pretty quickly if the if the ground's overly saturated before the winds come. Yes, that's true, and that I think the biggest that is the biggest threat in the Tallahassee area is uh, damage to trees and and the fact, that, as you said, uh, I mean Hurricane Cape in '85. Uh, was 40 actually was 40 miles west of Tallahassee and you know everybody knows there's like pickup sticks in Tallahassee so uh, tree damage and winds uh, the gusts uh, that in the tall pine trees are probably the biggest threat to Tallahassee Dr. Ray as always thanks very much for the information we'll be following your updates thanks for the time this morning you're very welcome thank you sir uh, Dr. Peter Ray it's hurricanehunt.com and again just vigilance uh, it, this storm has jogged a little bit to our our direction. 
And looks like we're definitely going to get hit with some rain and now the increased possibility of some heavier winds, too. So uh, just stay tuned. Remember, Operation Stormwatch, you just go to our website, type in storm in the keyword search. 46 minutes past the hour. Got a note from Dr. Ed Moore here to the morning show with Preston Scott pointing out that um, in Broward County, the turnout was 15%. He said I'm there are. Sorry, say that again? 15% voter turnout in Broward County. Wow. Statewide, he said it's more closer to 25%. Boy, there's a disconnected electorate that basically has said, screw this. They've thrown. A lot of people have thrown their hands up in the air. And I, I get it. I absolutely I absolutely get it. But um <laughs> uh you know, we're gonna we're gonna elect somebody to to something come uh, November. Well, thanks for being so specific. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it it's just <sighs> you look at you look at the things that uh that happened um, for example the fact that it just doesn't bother anybody that debbie wasserman schultz lied no we didn't do anything for hillary we didn't we didn't prejudice this process against bernie and then email after email after email uh it it just and and millions and millions of people are going to be voting for hillary clinton who should be in prison she should be facing prison character does not matter anymore no no it would it would seemingly not i mean locally there are races here where people advance that you know violated election law you know i mean it's just and i'm just going to leave it there because it's just not worth having the fight right now uh i'll probably have time to do that come general election because some of these people advance to the general election but it's just, it's it's mind-numbing. There are some other things in the news, however. I mentioned this earlier in the program. Last hour, we talked to Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Donald Trump weighing in on the Colin Kaepernick thing. Um, you know, it's interesting. You, you verified the hashtag that she called out. There is actually a hot trending hashtag. Hashtag military for Colin. Veterans for Veterans Kaepernick. for Kaepernick. unbelievable i I just that's just mind-numbing here's the here's the revelation though it's interesting that his conversion to social activism when before it was almost always about his football and if you remember colin kaepernick showed off his tattoos his pro-christian alliance on his tattoos the importance of the meaning and uh he's now courting islamic uh religious beliefs and it has to do with his romancing of a hip-hop dj of a dip of egyptian descent known known as nessa diab that's her name um he began dating her july 2015 and immediately thereafter his social posts began to change he began to um Honor people like um, Asada Shakur, a cop killer, Black Panthers founder Huey Newton, 
Malcolm X, Nation of Islam leader. Um, 31 of his last 42 posts have gone in a very different direction. In, in fact, it's said here in the article, and this is a Fox News article here, that um, he was fasting during the Muslim holiday of Ramadan. And so, uh, you know, Kaepernick might be in the midst of some kind of conversion here. And uh, and and you wonder where a guy like this could um, could go if he keeps spinning in the wrong direction, and it is the wrong direction. Look, he has a right to date and hang out with whoever he wants, and he has a right to sit during the national anthem no one's denying that 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 you know there are a lot of rights that are wrong i think we should let him sit because that's where he's going to be all season anyway well it would seem that way it would seem that blaine gabbard has the job but i just wanted to factor into this kaepernick story a a an influence of a uh of an attractive young lady of of a uh different political persuasion All right, we got some news. We'll recap some of the election results and more. Next hour, a little fantasy football, huh? Get you ready for the NFL season. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Coming up to 12 minutes past the hour, it's the morning show with Preston Scott. Great to be with you this morning. Show 3,423. I'm happy to have the uh, help of uh, Bobby Sylvester. Fantasypros.com is the website. I uh, I did an awful lot of digging and an awful lot of research before I, I put a call out to fantasypros.com, and I said, I need some help. Here's what I want to do on my show. I want to delve into fantasy football. There are more and more people playing it all the time, but I need help. And uh, after doing my research, this is who I reached out to, and Bobby Sylvester's my man. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Preston. Thanks for having me on this morning. My pleasure. Um, first and foremost, give everybody just a like a 30-second snapshot. What is it that Fantasy Pros does a little differently than everybody else? Yeah, so there's plenty of other great websites out there that, uh, you know, give great stats where they, uh, they watch a lot of films, so they have um, – Great, great notes on the players, but what Fantasy Pros does best is we have tools that really help you with your draft, that really help you in season, uh, that some people say is, is almost cheating because it's so great. We have the experts, uh, all of them come together as a consensus and say, these are the players we like, and, um, you know, it just really helps to basically have uh, the experts in your back pocket to be able to ask, you know, should I start this guy or should I start that guy? Well, there are a lot of people that have the disposable time to really be nerds about fantasy football. The bottom line is <laughs> for the overwhelming majority of players out there, Bobby, I'm guessing tools like the ones you're talking about make it more fun because you spend less time digging, 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 more time just kind of having fun putting your roster together. Do I have that right? That's exactly right. You know, I'm just like a lot of those nerds. I love to spend hours doing <laughs> fantasy football before I had my kids, but now I want to spend time with my family. So, you know, it helps to have these tools at your disposal. And, uh, you know, there's 75 million people playing fantasy sports right now, 
And I'm sure most of them want to spend time with their family or more time at work or what have you. So it's uh, it's great to have the tools. Fantasypros.com, the website. Bobby Sylvester is going to be with us all season long, but this is kind of the kickoff to the season. Bobby, is there a more important piece of information for a fantasy player than the injury wire? You know, uh, I, I think that there is. Uh, I think that what it comes down to is just knowing what the experts say. And what the experts are saying right now uh, is that there's, there's several great sleepers out there. We have something called ECR, that's Expert Consensus Rankings. So we've got over 140 experts that tell you uh, how they rank the experts, and then you can compare it to the average draft position. That's ADP. And so when you see a, a big difference between the ECR and ADP, you know that somebody is is a great value at their draft slot. So uh, if you have time, I've got a number of sleepers here that I'd like to share with your listeners. We got we got a two minutes left in this segment, so go for it. Excellent. Yeah, the first guy I want to talk about is Ryan Matthews. Uh, he's a guy going in the sixth or seventh round. He's a running back for the Eagles. And his athletic profile, Preston, is just great. He's a big back, lightning fast. He's always been efficient when he plays. But he's always had some knick-knack injuries, a few concussions here and there. Basically, if he can stay healthy, which I think there's as good of a chance as any other running back, he's going to be a top 10 running back because of how efficient he is. He's being drafted among uh, number 21 among running backs. And frankly, that's a risk I'm willing to take. So you're liking uh, Ryan Matthews of the Eagles? Yeah, Ryan Matthews of the Eagles. That's okay. right. Okay. Uh, another guy is probably going to hit home for you guys, uh, being from uh, right around Florida State. Jameis Winston is my favorite backup quarterback this year. Look, he had Dante die as his number one wide receiver a couple weeks last year, and he still passed for over 4,000 yards as a rookie. He's going to get better with Mike Evans in the offense and Doug uh, Doug Martin and, and Charles Sims. That's going to be a great offense this year, and I actually have the Buccaneers making the playoffs because their offense is going to be so dynamite. So Jameis is your backup quarterback. That's right. I'm. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even mind having him as my starting quarterback. I trust him that much this season. Bobby, stand by. When we come back, a couple more sleepers, and then we're also going to talk about draft strategy in general. Bobby Sylvester, FantasyPros.com is the website. And our guest this morning on The Morning Show with Preston Scott, Bobby, hang tight. Twenty-one minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. One of the great distractions to all the nonsense that we talk about from time to time. Fantasy sports, none bigger than NFL fantasy football. And joining us from FantasyPros.com is Bobby Sylvester. Bobby, before we get to a couple more sleepers and and maybe some strategy here, is it too late for people to jump on board and get in some leagues? No, it's definitely not. The the season doesn't start until September eighth. And so you've got plenty of drafts going. In fact, more than half of fantasy football drafts happen between now and then. There's a ton on Labor Day. So, you know, hop on into it. Uh, find some friends, get a league, get a public league. Uh, whatever you have to do, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It just makes watching the game a lot more enjoyable. Now, can someone go to fantasypros.com and find a league if they don't have a bunch of guys they know? They just want to give it a shot and see what it's all about? No, we actually uh, we don't do anything like that. But we do work with our sponsors, uh, Yahoo, ESPN. Uh, FanDuel, if you want to do the daily fantasy type of league, and uh, they do a great job. That's not uh, really in our realm, but um, you know, if you want to find a league, I'd recommend going to Yahoo. It's uh, it's my favorite site for uh, for commissioning a league, and uh, they do a great job. And more people are playing the season long leagues than the daily stuff, anyway, right? 
That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's starting to go the other direction. But with all of the uh, the legal matters with DFS, um, you know, they're basically uh, there's some states where you where you can't play DFS right now. So most people are still sticking with uh, year long. You've given us a couple of sleepers. Give us a couple more. All right. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about is a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. His name's Kevin White. Technically, he's a rookie this year because he was hurt last year, but he was drafted fifth overall. He's an incredible athlete, just an absolute freak of nature. And, look, I get it. He has as many NFL touchdowns as Hillary Clinton does, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a fantastic talent. And uh, the guy in front of him, Alshon Jeffrey, it's inevitable that he's going to have soft tissue injuries. He always does. He's got some uh, some bad hamstrings. And when he does, Kevin White would be the only wide receiver on the Chicago Bears of any relevance. And Jay Cutler is going to pepper him with targets. So Kevin White, with where he's being drafted, incredible value. Can they keep Jay Cutler upright enough to to let him throw the football, though? You know, that offensive line is in bad shape. But he's a pretty durable guy. And uh, frankly, if Jay Cutler is not there, their backup quarterback is probably just as good, let's be honest. <laughs> All right. For the people listening right now that, that are new to the to the thing, want to give it a try, maybe maybe they're, they're novices, um, what overall, what kind of draft strategy do you, do you advise people that are new to the, the fantasy sports realm? I always tell people, take a lot of running backs and a lot of wide receivers, especially early. You can wait on quarterbacks, you can wait on tight ends, because the difference between the first quarterback and the 13th quarterback, like I was talking about Jameis Winston, is really not that big of a difference. So I always tell people, don't draft a backup tight end and don't draft a backup quarterback. Think about it this way. If you've got a quarterback on your bench who's projected for between 14 and 17 points, there's always someone on the waiver wire that you can pick up who's projected for 16 points. You're really not making up uh, that much of a difference in points above replacement, which is a, a stat we like to use in the in the value-based fantasy world. And uh, you can pick up a backup running back who, yeah, I get it. He's a backup running back. He's not going to, he's not going to play, but imagine Spencer Ware, for instance, you've got Jamal Charles in front of him who look, he's a great running back, but he has a lot of injury issues. And if Spencer Ware gets on the field, he's going to end up being worth more than your backup running back in just one week. And he's probably going to play four or five games this year, maybe even 13 or 14, depending on what happens with injuries, because running backs do always get injured. So uh, I recommend filling your bench with with high-end backup running backs like Spencer Ware, Charles Sims, Alfred Morris, and Jarek McKinnon. Bobby, last question. As uh, as a Green Bay Packer fan, you know, I – I'm I'm not a fantasy sports guy in terms I've never played in the leagues. I know people that just basically draft their team, but I have to ask about I I've, I've got to ask about Jordy Nelson. What are the experts projecting from him coming back from such a big injury? You know, the experts are a little bit nervous on Jordy Nelson compared to where he's being drafted and uh Jordy Nelson is an underrated talent. People don't realize how good he is yeah. when he gets on the field. Uh but the fact of the matter is he's 31 years old. He's coming off a major injury, and while people like Adrian Peterson have made made it look like no big deal to come back from that injury, it's a tall task. Uh, I'm sure that the Packers are are working hard on getting him ready, and they say that he's ready, but, um, you know, I want to be honest if I didn't tell you that I think he's probably going to be 80, 90% of his old self, which is still a great player, but with where he's being drafted, I'm avoiding Jordy Nelson right now. All right, so since Preston gets to ask about his Green Bay Packers, I'm going to ask any way that my Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton repeat what he did last year? 
they're not going to win that many games. And, and Cam Newton, I don't think he's going to be the top fantasy quarterback because he's due for touchdown regression. The, the rates that he was putting up touchdowns, rushing and throwing the ball, uh, he's not going to be the same fantasy player. He's probably still going to improve in other assets of the game, especially with getting Kelvin Benjamin back. Devin Punches is really improving. Uh, but also the Panthers, they lost Josh Norman. Pro Football Focus says that the Panthers have the worst secondary in the NFL now that Josh Norman is gone. And uh, I'm not so sure that they're going to win the division. They will almost certainly make the playoffs, but that's a real tough division this year. Uh, so I, I do think the Panthers will make the playoffs, but I don't really think they're uh, Super Bowl contenders this season. Bobby, I look forward to our regular visits on Wednesdays. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Thanks, Preston. Have a great week. Thank you, sir. Bobby Sylvester, good man. Fantasypros.com. There you go. They're not in it for the leagues. They're in it to give you intel. 27 minutes past the hour. Forty-two minutes past. Links to the election results that matter the most on my blog page. Type in the keyword Preston. Simple as that. Voter turnout in the northern part of the state seemingly better than the south. Broward County, fifteen percent. Holy tomatoes! Why even bother? Thirty percent in um, Bay County. Thirty-two percent Leon County. Election results to the local races are found on my blog page, as well as a link to the state races, some other congressional races, not just Debbie Wasserman Schultz in District 23. Who cares? Okay, I know people in District 23. Well, I mean, do they? I don't know. I, I It's just... You sound like somebody's from Broward County. Who cares? I just, I just, I'm so concerned at how little character matters anymore. I mean, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has spent eight years rigging everything inside the Democrat Party for Hillary Clinton. Everything. And then lied about it. I, I Anyway. Look, we're debating... And many of us are not even debating. Many people just think that anybody should be able to use whatever bathroom they want to use. So they couldn't care less about lying at this point. Matt Gates wins the Republican nomination to uh, run for District 1 congressional seat. Um, he will run against Jeff Specht, the Democrat nominee. Neil Dunn advanced over Mary Thomas by a mere... 1,700 votes. Um, Neil Dunn won Leon County because Ken Sakai and Mary Thomas split the vote. No other way to read that. You, you had two two candidates, two attorneys from, from Tallahassee, Neil Dunn from Bay County. You know, I heard from so many people that just found the campaign run by by both Neil and Mary as distasteful. They just didn't like it. Um, were there votes there to win as opposed to lose? I, I don't know. That's 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 for everyone else to figure out. But um, there was there. You had Steve Craps and Walter Dartland running for Congressional District Two, the Democrat seat. It's so close; they're recounting. That's how close it is. At last count. Walter Dartland had 
30,092 votes. Steve Krabs had 29,956. So just over 100 vote difference for the Democrat nomination. But they don't have a chance. They can't. They The Democrat nominee is not going to win. Just is what it is. Moving along, District 5, I think, is, is real interesting because you've got Al Lawson finally putting Corinne Brown out of her misery, sending her packing from Congress. She's done. Absolutely done. Now, if there's a if there's a if there's a positive in this for Tallahassee, given the way the district is split, you now have someone from Tallahassee that's going to be representing District Five more than likely. Even though the district stretches to Jacksonville and the bulk of it is well east of us, Tallahassee is going to get a little love that way in Congress. If you're interested in that type of thing, forty six minutes past the hour. Remember the blog page. Keyword Preston. All your election results right there. Fifty-one minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Joining us from the Weather Channel is meteorologist Terry Smith. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? Well, I'm going to rely on you to tell me that. Um, I mean, storms, how dare they not do what we expect them to do? (laughs) This one is reminding me of the Heinz ketchup commercial. Um, that you remember the long time ago anticipation oh my goodness there and wait and wait and wait yeah where's carly simon when you need her exactly that's what this thing's reminding me of um it's still a tropical depression they uh hurricane hunters have been out there this morning and um winds have not yet gotten to the point where they can say it's a tropical storm um we continue to expect that to be the case we're seeing indications that uh the shear will be a little bit less of an issue and so we expect that it will get organized it's just puttering around though down there in the uh, southeastern gulf so a uh, slow-moving storm over the warm, open waters of the Gulf with less shear usually means uh, rapid intensification, uh, especially this time of year. And, and that's what the Hurricane Center is thinking. That's what we're thinking. Um, I expect we will have a tropical storm Hermine here sometime before the afternoon. But it's defied us before. It could defy us again. But I really do think we're going to be dealing with uh, stronger winds, heavy rain, headed toward the Gulf, um, headed our direction, actually. Uh, today, but really I don't think we'll feel the impacts of this until uh, perhaps sometime during the day tomorrow and tomorrow night and then into Friday, and it it should make its way fairly quickly across the panhandle. So Thursday, Thursday night and Friday, I think that's going to be the worst of it. Uh, National Hurricane Center has, uh, or our National Weather Service, I should say, has uh, upgraded what was once a tropical storm watch for us now to a warning, meaning that they expect that we will begin to feel those tropical storm conditions within the next 24 hours. Terry, um, obviously the longer that that little front that was supposed to start pushing this thing to the east a little bit more, the longer that that delays, the more this thing's going to just start bearing north, which means the cone of this could spread as far west as, say, Panama City and the area surrounding Panama City, correct? Yes. The longer it does take, and it, it the more of a westward uh, impact we will see. Now, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. One is, right now, is a 
large tropical depression. It's got a very large wind field, a large area of rain. So, you know, the the pinpoint, the center of the cone is, you know, where we tend to kind of focus our attention. But we really need to keep it much broader than that because I think the impacts of whatever heads our way, tropical storm or possibly a hurricane, it could intensify to a minimal hurricane. Uh, before it makes landfall. That's going to be a very broad area on both sides of the center of the storm. So, yes, for people with interests along the Gulf Coast, as far as Panama City or perhaps even just a little bit further west than that, I would be on alert, um, even though you're on the western edge of any area of concern at the moment, should it shift slightly westward, which it has done since this time yesterday. Uh, it could have a, a greater impact than what we're currently thinking. Terry, as always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Terry. Terry Smith with us this morning from the Weather Channel, your latest news. So keep up to date. Remember the website. Type in the keyword storm. Time for the Morning Show 180. Look back at the radio program in 180 seconds or less. Uh, really, this this show revolved around three things. Election results. Go to my blog page. Type in the keyword Preston. The possibility of a tropical depression becoming a storm, maybe a minimal hurricane. Type in the keyword storm. (laughs) And NFL fantasy football, baby. That's right. We had you covered. All three of them. Uh, Fascinating things everywhere. Fantasy players that drafted Teddy Bridgewater crying this morning. Boy, what a shame. That's a really, really nice young man. Hard worker. Quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Done. Apparently it was a non-contact injury in practice and horrific. As in, they canceled practice 30 minutes in. It was that bad. The team was traumatized by what they saw happen to Teddy Bridgewater's knee. He's done for the year. It's just, wow. Feel bad for that kid. He's a good guy. Anyway, tomorrow on the program, Steve Stewart will join us. We've got uh, Dr. Steve Steverson, pause for thought. Emery McClellan with Project 21 will join us talking about the sounds of blackness. I think you will find his perspective refreshing. Can't wait. Hey, have a great day. Glenn Beck's up next.